Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sam. I'm a software craftsperson at Coderance. I'm Abdul. So I'm a delivery manager at Coderance. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm software craftsperson here at Coderance. Excellent. So last time around, we covered a few different uh, subjects. Uh, one was sort of the greenfield versus uh, sort of more that brownfield uh, type of project. We talked about the different um, dynamics within the team, seniority, um, and it's worth noting that we only sort of scratched the surface on these topics. There's a lot more we can talk about and we probably will talk about uh, in these areas. Um, but today, I think we wanted to talk more around the diversification of the type of work within software modernization. Um, so maybe, I don't know, Mac, if you want to give a, a brief sort of overview of, of what we're going to cover, and then we'll sort of dive more into the details. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to cover. That's uh, we're going to find it out exactly, and that's kind of the goal of of the discussion as well, right? So going deep and let's see what we can uh, come up with. But I think on a high level, it's um, it's about what is the difference between like a software modernization effort versus like a greenfield project and like a typical like maintenance project, let's say. So there's already an established product, and we just so business as usual and um, how the work that is expected from that kind of team differs to those other more typical like um, endeavors, let's say, in the IT world, I would say. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Maybe it's useful to, to sort of maybe define some terms that, that I guess we'll, we'll use, um, or at least the terms that we tend to use between ourselves. Um, so like there's obviously like the core aspect of the work, which is you're undertaking a software modernization effort. Um, you're sort of trying to solve a specific problem. Um, and that is what we define as the core. Like you're trying to achieve that particular goal. Um, but obviously along the way, there's lots of things that um, need to be done. And um, we've spoken about as well offline around how these aren't done uh, because of whatever reason, uh, maybe uh, the organization prioritized delivery um, over these other aspects. Um, and obviously we know at some point that will come back to usually bite that decision uh, because delivery usually then slows down because uh, you, you prioritize delivery over uh, these other aspects. Uh, so things like, you know, even setting up, um, you know, automating the SDLC, et cetera. Um, and that would be sort of, um, sort of, I guess, innovation work that would be alongside the core work. Um, but it's definitely a, it's definitely a balance, right? Maybe we can like uh, revolve a bit around the uh, those other two types of projects a bit, and then we'll have a more like understanding with like where modernization sits. So, you know, a typical modernization projects where just like business as usual, you have your typical Kanban board, and whatever comes up, bug fixes, um, some minor improvements. Um, and, like these teams are driven mostly like by some like SLAs. Right, so there are certain SLAs, and they have to meet. There's a problem. They have a week or an hour, depending on, on like the severity of of the problem, basically. So that's kind of drives their their day to day work, I would say. And usually, even if they would like to like improve things, like on a foundational level, they would have very little time for it. And maybe there's one person doing it here, other person doing it there. Um, but then again, they are brought back uh, to focusing on those tickets that keep coming in. And this is what business expects from them in the end. So it's, it's very little time for that modernization and like foundational improvement, let's say. 
and it's not in their agenda, you might say. If someone does it, that's great, but it's not really in their agenda. And in terms of the green field, if you think about it, it's like everyone is so excited about them. Yes, it's like maybe the initial period, there's a lot of innovation, figuring out how this thing could work and you know, um, picking the stack, the tech stack. But once things settle, it's also about trying to hit those usually um, critical deadlines, right? Because it's a new feature, it's a new thing, the business wants to get it out to be ahead of the competition mostly. So again, after this initial very like fairy tale like start for the for the tech people, then it's about very harsh reality of trying to meet those really tight tight deadlines, and um, like building the thing in the end and not having time to think about you know keeping the technical depth low and that kind of stuff. So that might try to that might end up being like further down the priority list as well. So maintenance teams, they're driven by SLAs and those greenfield projects, mostly they're driven by those like really tight deadlines at some point as well. And I think modernization team, it's, it's a very unique one. I don't think there's, um, I mean, there's no SLA, right? There's no like typical SLAs or you might think that SLA is actually trying to improve things in the end. And there is, there might be some deadlines, but I don't think there will be so tight as in like, there's a new feature, we have to get it out because you know the competition will be before us. Um, and it's like ingrained, and this is this SLA for innovating, improving, sharing the knowledge kind of a thing, so. Well, one question I have for, for, for you and Abdul is sort of, um, so you have, the, you have the core work, which makes up, you know, it's going to make the majority of the the time for a software modernization team. They're doing the core thing that's solving a modernization uh, problem. How how do these sort of other pieces of work, like innovation, for instance, how how would you say that they come about? Um, given that these teams are spending a lot of their time on the core work, how would you say they come about? We can get into how people make a case for why they should be done, but like, how, how do they come about? It all depends very much on the context of where the business is at. So as I say, as I think Mac put quite well, um, when a company is in, in growth phase, I think it's all about survival, right? You need to grow or you will die as a business. Um, <clears throat> so at that point, it's usually all about features and, and capturing an established part of the market. So I think what, where you end up after that is with a, a, a stable platform, you're now an established business with a, a stable portion of the market share, and you're now both defending your existing market share while potentially trying to grow it. And I think that's where you end up in this situation where a more diverse set of work appears, right? So you've got um, you've got an existing customer base that has expectations that you have to meet, which are usually a bit more blander, for lack of a better term. You know, like the competition has a website that loads a bit quicker than yours. And, you know, that that kind of, you know, you lose about 0.5% of your customer base that way. So we need to improve the performance or you've got certain errors and exceptions that are uh, affecting your conversion flow. Um, and these can be urgent enough that, you know, the, you, you need to immediately resolve them. So you end up in the land of P1s and P2s because you're no longer an innovator. You're, you're established. You've got a market. You're there. Um, but then there's the the other um, tension, which is 
still trying to grow, right? So it's it's not just about maintaining where you are, it's trying to grow that platform to remain competitive against your competitors and also remain competitive against uh, new entrants into your market that might be you know, innovating at a pace that you are no longer capable of maintaining. I think then that tension is where you end up in a situation where you have to potentially look at how do you, um, you know, reorganize your work to, to kind of represent those challenges. What parts of my system now need to be very innovative? You know, I need like high levels of innovation in this area. Or alternatively, uh, how do I reduce, you know, all that tech that, that we've accumulated in our growth phase um, and, and pay that down so that we have a system that can remain competitive in our established market space and provide the customer experience that people expect and provide a platform that we can continue to maintain and grow on uh, over the course of you know, the lifetime of the business. And, and obviously that's a continuous process. So I think it's very intimately tied to the stage of the business. Um, and I think those create new pressures that then require that you might look at an innovation team or a core team, or even things like knowledge teams where you need to create more internal uh, uh, more internal organizational knowledge about how to tackle um, many of your new challenges, if you will. Yeah, so I guess a, a crucial sort of question is um, you're working on a um, on a you know uh, a modernization team. You're doing the core work. How do you make a case? Um, you know, oh, I've noticed that this part isn't automated, and actually, this takes a lot of uh, time. How do you start building up a case to start uh, doing that? And then it's then my follow-up then is is then uh, who does that work as well? Is it always the the same team that identified the issue, or sometimes do you bring in other people for support? I think the first thing is to take implicit knowledge and make it explicit. So often we look at a problem, and we're very good at instinctively identifying that that's an issue. Oh, this isn't an automated process. That's a problem. What can be more challenging is turning that into an explicit uh, understanding. Okay, this is a problem because every time we we you know we we do they need a new build. We've got to build it manually from a, a local PC that has to be uploaded. There's an opportunity for the package to be corrupted in some capacity for the wrong code to be built for it to be built without passing tests. You know, so there's quality issues, and and you have to start on that basis, because really it could be your gut is wrong. If you look at that process and you think, oh, it should be modernized. And you look at the cost of automating or modernizing the software versus the business benefit and it doesn't work out. And really you should be investing your time elsewhere. But in all, in all probability, especially if you've got a lot of experience, it should be quite easy to actually start to have a, a real understanding of the impact to the business of this problem. And the quantification sometimes requires a bit of balancing, but you know, when we talk about things like automation, you know, if you are having to manually build package, that takes time. That means that engineers are out, you know, watching a package build on their local PC. You've got to also think about the implications of defects. How much does that cost your business? If you've got P1s and P2s getting into production, how many of those are caused because of potentially software being released that hasn't passed tests because you have no way of enforcing that? So I think once you you do that kind of level of analysis, then it becomes easier to justify. And I would even argue, even if you've got like a lean budget, so you've got fixed budgets, you should still do a level of this. You should still understand why are you investing in an area? You shouldn't be just saying, well, this seems like a really cool thing to do. Yeah, cool. But there might be another area where you're, you're hemorrhaging resources, essentially. Um, so I think that's the, the first piece. Um, 
on on the second piece about who should do it, I think in my experience, usually I think you need sometimes a bit of a blend depending on the circumstance. Sometimes the core team has the skills to address it and and the capacity and they can just do it. Other times they don't. But in either event, you, you I think you're always better served by having people with domain knowledge embedded in whoever solves that problem, right? What I've, I've rarely seen work is a team with no real context at all come in and completely autonomously and separately from those that work with the, the primary product, you know, deliver a solution in, a, in an efficient manner. You will always need either it could be on a consultative basis, you know, someone you can speak to, or it might be someone that's kind of uh, semi-embedded. But I think you always need someone that is there that understands you know, the business and the logic and the software to help you um, deliver a solution that's, you know, effective and, and going to solve the problem. So maybe we could take a, a small step back and um, align maybe on like the small glossary of terms so that the audience knows like specifically what we're talking about. So uh, in terms of core team, I think, Abdul, you meant um, like a product team somewhere in the company that they own specific workflow specific you know area i guess and they're doing features and they're maintaining that that's like the core team and we have in this context i think we call it modern modernization team modernization teams i guess which will be explicitly trying to improve things and having this special license right to innovate and i guess in terms of the core work as we are mentioning the um core work of the modernization team and it's usually some larger like three to six months endeavor i guess that would be like the core work they need to um refactor let's say a critical area of the system that would be their core work for six months but modernization team can do more right so they can still continue to innovate even though this is like their main thing right so usually for I know um, a product team, they have a certain new feature and that that's all that, that's that, that we need to deliver, right? And for a modernization team, they have this, this larger chunk of work they'll be focusing on, but they always like, what I think 10 to 20% of the time, still think about innovating around that area, around that context. So it may be, let's say, staying in the example, so refactoring critical area, but also uh, maybe improving the, CI pipeline that is in there, maybe a couple of steps that are missing, for example, and maybe a small innovation example, but it may be also treated as some kind of an incubation period in that team. And it may be actually that there's a more general problem and the various CI pipelines in the, in the company are very different and they're not aligned and there's no clear uh, like, uh, unified way to do them let's say and there should be so maybe actually that could end up as a possible bigger initiative proper initiative um which again be this three to six months thing for for a certain modernization team to pick up right and adding to that pie chart of possible work for a modernization team so you have the core work most of the time then 20% of the time for like innovation. So around that area of that initiative and 10 to 20% of the time to try to share all their findings 
um, and share the deliverables as well, ideally on an iterative basis, not after three to six months, then have a huge handover, ideally um, more and more often. Um, and that kind of, this is like the, the pie chart of work or the diversification of work for um, modernization team, let's say, right? So they have this like special license, it's like whatever they are given, it's also always trying to look outside of the box, innovate and share all their findings, or maybe bring in some of the product team people along the right as well for a month or two, so that they get upskilled, they know what's, what's best practices they should be using from now on. So that I think is like um, in the terms, I think uh, that we can talk about. Obviously we spoke a little bit before around how you sort of maybe identify some of the innovations, et cetera, and, and make a case for them. How do you also ensure that uh, your modernization team, um, it, you know, going back to the pie chart, aren't reducing the core work so much that they get maybe working on these innovation, et cetera, uh, pieces that actually starts to detract away from the core work, which is sort of the, the, the original mission, uh, should we say, for the uh, modernization team? I don't think there is a clear answer for that. Um, it's heavily, it may heavily depends on the stakeholder and the situation because usually if we are modernizing, it's usually some larger system, there's some compliance, there's some governance, and sometimes naturally that core initiative may be hindered by some red tape. I don't know, there is just, you know, there's no way you can put in more changes for that. There are more important things, product things, and your modernization things, they need to wait, let's say. And this is the time, okay, so we park this and we had idea of so many innovations around, you know, around the pipelines, around the DevOps, around creating some framework, new, for, new framework for testing, for acceptance testing, for example. Now is the time to shift that pie chart and reduce the core work and naturally come in with more like innovations and maybe do more seminars or so community of practice and share more of the knowledge with the product teams, let's say. Uh, of course, if stakeholder is fine with that, right? Um, but in the end, it always should be about focusing on that main initiative uh, because that's, you know, that's what stakeholder will be looking at. This is most likely what's been agreed upon. There is some specific business outcome of that. There is some specific ROI if that comes live. Um, so again, it's, it's a bit of a balancing act for different teams in different stages, it may differ, let's say. So, but it's, it's a good thing, right? Because it's, it may be hindered and there's always those two other things like various innovations and knowledge sharing, which the team can focus on. Um, when they really cannot move forward the core initiative. Would it then be fair to say that if, if your pie chart looks like nearly whole core work, like 100, nearly 100% core work, that um, you're sort of, as a company, sort of initiating the modernization effort, you're somewhat maybe losing some of the benefits of, you know, the knowledge sharing, et cetera. Because if you're just focusing on the core work all the time, you don't have enough space for knowledge sharing. Um, as, as one aspect and then innovation, then you are losing out on that sort of sharing with, with other teams, et cetera. Well, the whole point of like modernizing, it's, um, it's usually these teams will not have enough capacity to modernize everything. 
there's this scalability aspect which requires other product teams, so majority of organization to finally pick up the torch and doing the things that the modernization teams are proving through those initiatives. Because no one did it before, there's an initiative, they tried to modernize a critical part of the system, they succeeded, and now this is like the golden standard that needs to be repeated ideally, at least by the, um, uh, by the new projects, let's say, some new development. Um, and that cannot just happen they cannot just assimilate that in some way. They need to have um, some kind of help for those uh, software modernization teams to share that knowledge with them and help them with assimilate that. Because again, as we talk, they have those, you know, they have the SLAs, they have the tight deadlines. They, they need this, this constant engine that is, you know, proving things, but also showing them how to do it, how to replicate it, how not to repeat the mistakes from the past, basically. Um, but I think at the beginning of the modernization uh, efforts, it will be mostly the core work, right? Because you need to really focus on what is the initiative, you need to uh, do some discovery, analyze it, and really get into that. And maybe with time, after a couple of sprints, more like innovation work and knowledge sharing can start. And more towards the end, it will be mostly knowledge sharing, I would say. So, um, yeah. Again, it won't be like a, always the pattern, but that's what I'm thinking. I think it would be fair to say as well, like for instance, Abdul, like the core work isn't always going to be technical work. I mean, <clears throat> when we talk about modernization, it's not just modernizing software, but also modernizing uh, processes as well. It's kind of interesting, right? If people create this boundary between technical and non-technical work, um, but realistically, you know, we know there's a continuation. Um, so if we talk about, for example, the core work, a lot of the core work will involve probably a lot of modeling, you know, trying to understand the business domain um, and understand, you know, what is what are the business problems trying to be solved? And that should, you know, good software that should reflect in the software. So, you know, there's this, there's this clear um, kind of continuation, if you will, between you know, what we would think of as, as business and, and technology, really they should be kind of reflections of each other. And and same is obviously true from the, from the organization perspective, right? So if you've got teams that are working in, um, you know, their old manner, maybe they're, they're in that kind of growth mentality and just putting stuff in and making it work, which is fine. Um, you know, there's, there's that aspect then, as you said, of trying to change behaviors um, and potentially put in, mechanisms um, that facilitate the kind of new way of working that, that's a bit more established and sustainable. So kind of sustaining that innovation rather than um, creating new innovation per se as a, as a business unit. Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, I always think it's, it's really important. Uh, and I do think it's something that's often missed. Uh, and I think without it, what you have is regression. You will, you'll create an area of, of modernized software and as Maciej said, you know, you're not, you've not um, enabled other teams to then continue that on and continue on the practices that enabled that. Uh, and in the end, you know, the people revert back to type what works for them. Um, and if that happens, then inevitably you'll end up back where you started. I think you touched on something there um, that I think is just probably crucial to the context of software modernization, which is sustainability. Um, and that... 
<clears throat> organizations find that their behaviors or technology choices have led them down a path which now means that it's not as sustainable as maybe it once was. Um, and this goes back to what you're saying at the beginning, Mac, around sort of greenfield uh, development and maybe certain decisions at the time were sustainable for a period of time, but then over time it becomes unsustainable. Um, and it, the same is true for the modernization as well. What the changes you're doing must also be sustainable. Um, the knowledge sharing, etc. Um, everything has to be done with that that view that um, you you must your software obviously must be sustainable and and you know sustain business uh, for many years. But it's also the the practices, the processes. Um, you can't just have some short lived effort. Um, you know, if if you if you can't sustain that, um, you know, over time. Say you modernize one system and you still have you realize there's three more. Um, you know, you, you need to make sure that you can do all of them if that's what you need to do, but focusing on the highest priority one. Um, you can think of a situation where, like, uh, you know, the, the company says we need to upskill our people, right? They need to be, like, you know, know about the state-of-the-art things and do things in a state-of-the-art way, and they send them for those, like, weekly coaching sessions and maybe buy them some on-demand videos, you know, and sort of lessons and yeah, they go for those those um, uh, for those coaching sessions. They watch some videos, but after a month, they are again back in their routine business as usual things because there is nothing inside of the organization that pushes for that really. And with that modernization effort, you always have that well-oiled like steam engine really always modernizing. So they are doing the work, but always being there to share that knowledge. Always being there like present that anyone from the product teams can always ask for advice, pair with them, see what's going on, um, join some seminars, some updates, like what are the, the things we're trying to modernize. So, and it's always there. It's not an ad hoc thing. It's always there. So that's the key thing. It's like the, some decisions maybe are driven. I mean, Simon Sinek talks about this in one of his uh, books on, on, on leadership, but, um, you know, around sort of the dopamine uh, driven behaviors uh, you're kind of going for that sort of uh, instant sort of gratification um, and you know that, that would bring a whole new meaning to DDD where it'd be like dopamine driven development but like you know it would be the idea that you're making decisions for the short term um, and not thinking about the long-term um, sustainability um, and admittedly we don't all have crystal balls and we can look into it and say oh you know this is the, the exact 100% right decision um, but you can make a fairly good stab at, stab at it um and and sort of look around and survey the landscape and say actually what we're doing right now isn't sustainable um although it's got us to where we are um it's not something that's sustainable and i think it it it, it, it requires someone quite aware uh, to be able to say you know we need to make some changes it's really important to realize that um i think contexts change underneath your feet you establish a new equilibrium and I think you can go wrong on both ways, right? So you often see um, kind of startups or, or small technology stacks, you know, like, okay, we're going to implement Kubernetes. We want a full scalable web service that can take 10,000 customers and all that kind of stuff. But you're not in a state where you're serving 100. So why are you, why are you worrying about the scalability? It's a nice problem to have. Wait until you have it. Um, but at the same time, if you come from that mentality, or you probably got it right early on, and you're just getting it out, seeing what customers works with customers, and 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 you've got software that works, and and then you kind of scaling up, and and the solution is put another rack of servers on there, you know, get the software on more 
instances, just balance it better. And, and you just keep going, keep going, keep going. And then suddenly the rules are all different. And it's like, okay, no, no, we're not going to do any more feature development until we understand how are we going to scale our software? You know, how will we make it, you know, as stateless as possible? How will we make it such that we're serving as many static assets from edge as possible? You know, you, you, you're, you've completely changed the paradigm. And if a lot of individuals have been there from day one, that's a, that's a really tall order. Like psychologically, it's a very big tall order, I think. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's the other challenge you face into. I don't think more often than not, they're not wrong. You know, they were right. But the situation has changed and it can be quite hard to see that considering you still work in the same office. You know, maybe there's more people, but, you know, it's the same company. Um, I do think that could be almost like a bit of like an internal culture shock. What you touched on there is the fact that, you know, nothing's ever static, right? You know, uh, Mark Manson says in one of his books that, you know, only our problems change. But, you know, you get more money, you have different problems, right? You know, and, and it's true, you know, you, your decision making can't be static and say this is, this is it. This is the decision. Sit back in your chair and, and watch it. You have to constantly be sort of introspecting um, and looking um, at the situation and saying, mm, "This this um, is maybe not what you intended." And accept the fact that you're going to make decisions as well that you know maybe don't give you the desired results. But that's why, as you said, you need that fast feedback um, on those decisions to be like, "Actually, this is, is isn't the way to go." Let's find another way. Um, and then that's true in modernization as it is in sort of greenfield uh, development as well. Um, yeah, so this this constant like uh, dance between like the, the tactical aspects and like the strategic aspects, right? If you go to like too much strategic and be boggled down in strategic stuff, you won't keep delivering things that you need to deliver like on a daily basis. But on the other hand, if you focus too much and be very short-sighted, it's like you miss like, what are we trying to really achieve in here? Right. So we are modernizing this critical workflow, this critical workflow, but still it's the QA is the bottleneck, right? It's like we still are able to maybe do faster development there, but still like QA has so many things to do and there's really little automation. It's like, it's still the same problem, right? And that bit of strategic thinking that that might be part of the picture, part of the puzzle up front might have prevented that to some degree, let's say so. And yeah, in modernization, that's that. There's always that balance, right? So keep delivering those those improvements, those you know innovations, but also thinking about bigger picture. What are we trying to achieve? Like increase the lead time, reduce the number of bugs that we introduce, like reduce the amount of time it takes to address these, right? Um, what are we trying to achieve here? And these things may change during the year, right? Like like you mentioned, right? It's it's. Um, it's a it's a floating pointer, you know. <laughs> I think as well, you know, particularly with organizations where there are external influences that can have an impact as well and change direction as well, because maybe you do have to switch um, a little bit between the strategic and then the tactical. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, um, <clears throat> we're going to retire this this service or whatever, or, or, or even the fact that maybe some companies aren't retiring it, but they're changing their pricing structure. Um, and this again goes back to what I was saying around maybe in the early days uh, development, it was great. You're using a service that you know you you didn't really notice that you know it was you know that expensive. Um, but then as you, as you grow, it becomes quite expensive. Uh, you know, third party to integrate with, and then you're like, well, actually, we need to do something about that. Um, and then 
he made the decision. I mean, again, as I said, you know, just accepting and acknowledging that is is, is a step in the right direction, I think. Um, but yeah, there's loads of factors that will that will obviously change direction uh, for for a team. Yeah, I think it's a really good point about the organizational aspect as well. I think there's a a propensity to a lot of a lot of our work exists within the context of you know the organization's health, you know, and typically when when does an organization realize they might need to modernize? I, I find it's usually when things aren't going so well. But at that point, you know, investment is already likely drying up, right? You, investors are looking at you maybe a little side-eyed and, um, you know, maybe sales are not seeing the same growth they used to. So it's not as easy to get that kind of line of credit that you then need to invest, which then creates the kind of, you know, not a catch-22, but the, the uncharacteristic aspects um, of, when things are going best, it's probably when you need to modernize, right? Like when you're not feeling it, is the time to go back and think, okay, what, what should we do? Um, and I guess it, it's very much in line with Kent Beck's idea, of, right? Like once you've got over that hurdle, okay, we need to, we need to introspect and invest. Um, and when you look at modernization, it is a huge investment. I mean, I think, uh, I think all of the kind of big tech companies at one stage ended up spending billions on re-architecting their internal systems to then match their new scale. Um, so I, I do think timing and, as you say, that kind of like organizational pressures play a big part. And I think it's difficult to know like when is that right time? Like when's that time you stop and you say, okay, this is it. We need to now invest a lot of money in bringing in those modernization teams and getting a platform to a level so that, you know, when we do face the hard days, we're not making the decision that late on. I think as well, there's almost like different, different types as well. Because I think, as you said, it, it is an investment, but I think sometimes companies do burn maybe money on the wrong types of modernization uh like we've all seen it where you know we have this particular framework we want to move to this one um and often those decisions aren't maybe rooted in like sound uh, sound decision making and that can burn some money because you know i don't know just to give an example uh I don't know, we were using react and we want to use to move to view or something like that um and maybe that doesn't actually solve the problems that they have but, you know, maybe it's like, oh, you know, this this will help because, you know, you say, you know, there's this 20 times better or whatever. Again, I'm just checking out numbers here. But um, you know, I think the investment, I think you have to be quite careful at looking at modernization and think, where do you want to invest your money? Because you, there are certain types of work where you will invest money and actually not get the return uh, on investment. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think one of the, I know it's, it's probably only a, a proliferary item, but the... The point on the React, I think, is really on the point because I really think that a lot of companies feel modernization is about moving from one tech stack to another tech stack. And I think it's one of the worst things you can possibly do because, as you say, you just you cut all of the, all your problems from one technology to another one. You go from a monolith to a microservice, you know, or micro mess. You go from, you say, maybe like React to Angular, and really all your problems are still there. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Like, being smart about how you invest and i think less uh buzzwordy about where you invest you, you, investment and modernization is really about the software itself like the actual software and how it reflects the, the business capability how it's written how clean it is and and the kind of test coverage in there um has almost in my mind very little to do with the actual tech stack you know that's usually more operational uh than, than fundamental that makes any sense yeah, that brings us like to uh, probably the topic we'll be discussing next time, which is like how to manage and lead like a modernization 
effort for the guy because um, like you need to be reaching out and thinking outside of the box have that you know uh, the division and like how to change things because most likely those stakeholders they won't know why they that, that's why they have you like to figure that out um, but also you need this like grounding in terms of um, like managing this thing so that it brings business value and it brings on an iterative basis ideally the business value not in a couple of years like we can measure something and that's kind of the challenge right so this is like this dichotomy of trying various things like thinking outside of the box but also being grounded that there is this ROI in here guys it's like we need to think about this as well right you can try the different tech stack that's fine but let's come back in two months is this potentially going to increase our lead time or the quality so there is are less bugs in the production or um those, those like key metrics let's say so um but i guess this is um, a bigger topic for for next session it, it takes me to a, to a real life example actually uh where i had an issue with some pipe work in my house and um the, uh, they sort of were looking at uh, how they could fix it, where it basically it was the pipes were too close to the to the plasterboard, uh, so you could see like it was like condensated basically all the moisture and stuff on, on the plasterboard, and um, they said, oh yeah, we can we can put some like they call it like black in or something around it. They could put some material around the pipes, um, and uh, I mean that wouldn't fix the problem because admittedly you're putting something between the uh, the pipe and the plasterboard. But then you're actually making it bulge out even more. Um, they're already too close to the plasterboard, and now you're going to make the pipes basically stick out even more. So, you, <laughs> and it's just like it's just like something. I mean, that's a, maybe a silly example, but it is sort of like: Are you actually fixing the underlying problem, um, or are you just doing something that is um, maybe a distraction? It doesn't give you that sort of return on investment. Um, but yeah, that's no, a super interesting uh, topic that I'm sure we can dig into. It's very interesting because again, it's like those modernization teams that you have the stakeholders. And like where does the um responsibility lie? I think it lies like most in the modernization team and uh try to you know stand up sometimes to the stakeholder and say, This is like with your example, right? It's like this is not the best way actually that you would like us to go with this. This is the, the proper way. But then actually they may come back, well, yes, but you know, there's this new release and we need to be like really faster for the next one to be, you know, before the, the competition. And that's fine. That, that, that let's go for that. But maybe later, let's go for more like foundational change, let's say. So again, the answer is the balance, right? Um, but the modernization cannot be always just saying yes, yes, to whatever stakeholder business is saying. There should be also the proactive force and like um uh, going further with their ideas and what they think. And, and you're right, it is a balance. Like even when we go back to that, that pie chart of sort of like the, the, the core work, maybe the innovation and the knowledge sharing, it is, it, it is a balance. And it doesn't mean that that balance is static as well. It doesn't mean that you're always going to achieve, you know, a certain ratio of those. Uh, at different times, it, you know, as you said earlier on, like, you know, the innovation might be like a larger portion of that pie chart um, than the core and, and and the knowledge sharing, um, and that's, that, that thing is a crucial sort of lesson in, in any project, but it's like things are never static. You know, you can't just say, this is exactly what we're going to do and we're never going to veer away from it. And this is the perfect ratio. Um, you know, things are going to change uh, and you have to be able to adapt to those. And as you say, create cases to your stakeholders, uh, make a case for, for why things should change. Um, 
you know, why you sort of veering away from maybe the original agreement or making amendments is because, you know, that agreement was made on X date and, you know, things have changed. We discovered things, uh, et cetera. So, um, yeah. And, and on modernization, you, you discover a lot. That, uh, you know, once you start getting under the surface, you find lots of things. Um, and that's sense why you have in innovation and knowledge sharing sort of built into the modernization work. Yep, that's your like SLA, right? So begin and so like what's really going on like how to do is do this properly right how to change this properly right so but like innovation part is like like sometimes this core work which in the end is some kind of an initial innovation in its own self so maybe in some later sessions we can delve into what's the difference between this like core initiative and this innovation seeking actually because that's also very interesting um What's the distinction in there? There's no clear distinction, but there is some kind of a distinction as well. So, but that's a whole topic in itself. <laughs> we, we, we've obviously got plenty more to talk about. Um, and maybe maybe next time we can dig into that um, around sort of managing uh, software modernization um, and all within that. But um, I've, I've super enjoyed this chat. Um, any any closing thoughts, uh, Abdul or Mac? kind of high level thought in my mind is it's uh it's, it's very contextual isn't it you know trying to work out balances between uh what to pick up when to pick it up um with a lot of judgment call in there about the structure of your work and uh yeah a wealth of uh, a wealth of knowledge to, to work out how to get it right i guess i hope that audience starts to uh, understand like this uniqueness of this modernization team modernization project or effort however you call it compared to those other typical project projects or endeavors that you see in IT actually. So um, I hope we are clearing uh, it out a bit. I hope we are doing demystifying it as opposed to <laughs> mystifying it. But uh, but yeah, we can always change the title, right? Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I think um, for me, the, the key takeaway was sort of the, uh, I guess the, the discussions in terms of the return on, on investment. Um, and how, and I guess the thing to dig into as well would probably be uh, one of these discussions is sort of recognizing when to modernize, as you think you said, anyone Abdul. Um, but yeah, there's, there's loads we can uh, talk about. And as you said, I hope, uh, hope we are demystifying the discussion. But I guess uh, until, we, until next time when we carry on the, the conversation, thank you very much, everyone, for uh, watching and listening. Thank you. Thank you.